Welcome back to Key Messianic Prophecies, a podcast brought to you by Telios, a private 501c3 nonprofit foundation dedicated to the research and accurate teaching of the Bible, founded by Bill and Jeanette Stewart. On this episode, we will be taking a look at Messianic prophecy in the Psalms. Now, uh, this episode will play a little differently simply because there are quite a few Psalms uh, contained within the Psalter. And while it would be fascinating to take each one individually and examine it, there are a plethora of resources out there that do this well. Our purposes here uh, will be to give you a general outline of Messianism in the Psalms and why it is uh, very important to have a good grasp of what the Psalter is doing as a whole uh, rather than picking individual psalms to pick apart, uh, which most of you will hear on any given Sunday. This book of uh, psalms is essentially a book of prayers, book of worship. Uh, The Psalter is essentially uh, the worship manual or hymnal, if you will, of ancient Israel to make a very, very loose comparison. And the book is often uh, read individually. Uh, Some people wake up, read a psalm a day, and move on. There's nothing particularly wrong with that approach, but if we take each psalm individually, if we divorce each from the rest, it can be very easy to overlook the fact that they have uh, actually been very carefully arranged. When you uh, tear each individual psalm out of its uh, context, out of its canonical context, it's sort of like trying to interpret a single verse of the Bible with no context. You're going to warp the meaning pretty quickly. Unlike the uh, hymnals that we are familiar with, the psalms uh, are not randomly collected. There's actually a, a structure. There are uh, five books, so to speak, that make up the uh, entire Psalter. For more information on the specific breakdown and arrangement of these books, I suggest you check out uh, Gerald Wilson's Psalm uh, Commentaries, Psalms Commentaries, as well as the, uh, the contributions of uh, Seth Postal uh, to Psalms Research. But uh, let's get a little more specific for just a second. For the first, oh, 90 psalms uh, composing the first three books, the Davidic covenant, which we covered in the last episode, uh, comes forward very prominently at junctures connecting these sections of the Psalter. What's interesting, though, is how the thinking regarding the Davidic covenant actually progresses through the book. Consider this. In the first two sections, beginning with Psalm 1 and 2 and continuing through to uh, Psalm 72, we find the Psalter comes to uh, an expectation of fulfillment. In other words, there is this clear expectation that God is going to raise up a descendant of David who is going to institute a rule that will extend over the entire earth. These psalms we tend to call royal psalms. And Psalm 72 actually links this uh, expectation all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant. Now, if we've been reading our Bible up to this point, we're familiar with this story. We have a good grasp uh, on what the Psalter is taking us through here. We know who Abraham is, we know the Abrahamic Covenant, we know who David is, we know who, uh, what the Davidic Covenant entails. And once you hit Psalm 89, the conclusion of Book 3, we find this lament over the seeming failure of the Davidic Covenant. Lament, by the way is the most common type of psalm you're going to find in the book. 
Uh, now, without delving too uh, deeply into that, uh, let me just say that I find it remarkable that the most common type of expression of worship in the Old Testament handbook of worship is actually lament or mourning, grieving, wailing before God. And I wonder how well that idea would translate into the mentality of many a modern church. Anyway, I digress. So, uh, book three ends with this lament. David's sin with Bathsheba, the murder of her husband Uriah, David's uh, sons and their failures, it all results in the destruction of the southern kingdom of Israel and the overthrow of the Davidic throne. Now, we know that David repents of his sin, but his actions nonetheless result in very dark days for Israel. So, what happens? You know, I thought that God had a covenant with David. And you get to book four of the Psalms and David's gone. And in fact, we return to the days of Moses and the wanderings in the wilderness. Israel seems lost, having disobeyed God. Uh, does God remain faithful to them? Where is he? He seems nowhere to be found. We even catch uh, these poetic allusions to the incident of the golden calf in Exodus. The psalmist is lamenting the state of Israel, the condition of the nation, in light of the apparent failure of the Davidic covenant. Yet these psalms remind the reader, though those were dark periods in Israel's history, full of disobedience on the part of the people, was not God compassionate toward them? Was he not gracious? Despite their continued disobedience, the accruing of more and more laws, did God not remember his covenant with Abraham? Did not the nation come together despite the wanderings in the wilderness? Did God not bring them through it? And so book four closes with a prayer that cries out to God to gather his people once again. Despite the failures of David, despite the seeming failure of the covenant. And this paves the way for book five, uh, the final book of the Psalter, to really rekindle the hope that God remains faithful to his people despite present circumstances. We find prophecies regarding the return from Babylonian exile, a sign that God will keep his promise to David. In Psalm 110, a descendant of David sits at the very hand of God, only to return, take up a seat on Mount Zion, from which his kingdom will extend over all the earth, and he will reign forever. And David's throne and his broken crown will return in glory. So the entire movement of the Psalms is one of mourning to praise. And it grows to not only encompass Israel, but all nations. This is the Abrahamic covenant. Through Abraham's descendants, the nations of the world will be blessed. So Psalms is a sweeping, poetic recounting of Israel's history, as well as a brilliant vision of a future in which the entire world is brought back into alignment with its creator, which has been the central problem since Genesis. Uh, in this respect, the entire movement of the book of Psalms can be characterized as messianic because it ultimately points us to the one through whom God is going to accomplish the promises he made in the covenants with Israel. Uh, so that's a, an overview of messianism in, uh, in the Psalms. 
we will uh, move into looking at specific psalms as they detail this movement uh, in the, the next video.